It's time for Your Money Today. Karen Wright takes a look at how deep sea mining could change the electric vehicle industry. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. In Your Money Today, I'm going to take a look at an interesting area related to the rise of electric vehicles. I'm joined by Jared Barron, who is CEO of The Metals Company. Thank you for joining me, Jared. It's great to be here. So you're involved in deep sea mining. So first off, I'd like to know a little bit about how deep sea mining works and then why it's relevant to the EV industry. Well, firstly, 70% of our planet is covered in ocean. And in the past, of course, we've gone looking for metals on land. And now that we have this increasing demand for metals, because the world has woken up to the fact that decarbonizing is the first and most and the largest priority if we're going to address global warming. So we need to move to electric vehicles. We need to move away from fossil fuels. And that means we're going to need billions of tons of more metals. And so 70% of the ocean of the planet is ocean. So it makes sense that we should be looking for where can we get those metals with the lightest planetary and human touch. And so fortunately, there is a very large and abundant resource of what we know as polymetallic nodules. And think of them as like golf balls on a driving range in the Pacific Ocean, about a thousand miles off the coast of Mexico. And they happen to contain all of the metals we need to build electric vehicle battery cathodes. So they're full of nickel and copper and cobalt and manganese. And what we've been busy doing for the last 12 years is understanding the resource and understanding what the impact will be if we go and collect these rocks and turn them into battery metals. And it's a very exciting time because it's the final rundown to agreeing the regulatory environment. And it's we expect to be in production as soon as 2025. So... From what you're saying, these minerals are much more abundant on the seafloor than, than they are on land. Is that is that correct? That's right. In fact, just in this one deposit, which represents about 1.5% of the entire planet, so surface area, there is 70% of the known reserves of nickel and cobalt and manganese in this one deposit. So 70% in this one deposit compared to everything on land. So it's very abundant and very large. And how kind of deep are we talking about in the sea here? And, and how does extracting these nodules that you talk about on the seabed compare to extracting these metals from in the ground? Well, they're deep. They're 4,200 metres below sea level. So it's known as the abyssal zone. And as I mentioned, they're like golf balls on the driving range. And so our job is to pick them up with the lightest touch, the lightest planetary impact and the greatest efficiency. And so, but we don't have to drill or dig or blast to get to them. And that's very unlike a land-based resource. And so we send down our robots, which crawl along the seafloor, picking up these rocks, which then get pumped up to a production vessel. And then from the production vessel, they get moved to a transporter, which then moves them to shore for processing. And, and is that actually cheaper then than, than digging them out of the ground, essentially. Yes, and one of the main reasons for that is the very high grade of the material. So these are rich in nickel and copper and cobalt and manganese, and they can be an order of magnitude higher grade compared to what we're finding on land today. So, so there's, a, there's a lot less waste, effectively, you know, when you see those big piles of stuff that's left over from mining operations. That's right. In fact, our 
pilot studies have proven that we can utilize 100% of the mass of these nodules. And so if you were with me, I, I'd give you a nodule to hold in your hand. And we generate no waste and no tailings from that nodule. We turn it all into saleable product. And so that's addressing one of the biggest challenges that land-based mining faces today. So obviously this sounds like a very interesting investment uh, concept. So what can you tell me about the level of interest you're seeing in this sector at the moment? Well, for the metals company, we are a NASDAQ listed company and uh, you can find us uh, via our ticket TMC. But what we're finding is that the biggest driver is coming out of China because we hold three exploration licenses in this one little patch known as the CCZ. But China also hold them beside us. And other license holders include Japan, Korea, um, Singapore, France, Germany. But China is the one who's hot on our heels. The metals company have a, a competitive lead. We're about five to seven years ahead of all of the other license contractors. And that's because we've been out there spending hundreds of millions of dollars since 2011. But it's like offshore oil and gas. Once upon a time, there was no oil and gas that came offshore. And then in the, the, the click of a finger, 30% of our oil and gas comes offshore today. And I think it will be even more aggressive when we look at nickel, cobalt, and manganese. More of these metals are going to come from our ocean because of the much reduced environmental and human impacts. And that is something I really would like to delve into because I think a lot of people listening would have their concerns about these kind of operations. So, so, so tell me, you know, why gathering these or how gathering these nodules off the seafloor is safe for the environment? How do you go about protecting the environment and you don't disturb mm. the, the flora and fauna of the, the ocean? Well, it begins with where they are. In the abyssal zone, there is no flora. So there is zero plants. And if we measure the amount of fauna in the form of, say, biomass, there's around 10 grams of biomass per square meter. And 80% of that biomass is bacteria. Now, you compare that with where we're getting our metals from in land, particularly when it comes to nickel. It's all coming from rainforest nickel, where there's around 30 kilograms of biomass per square meter. Plus, there are people living amongst those environments. Whereas in the abyssal zone, there's no real alternative use for it. There's no people living nearby. There are no plants growing there. While there is some biodiversity there, there's not much of it by scale. And so it begins with that fact. But we've been busy investing to understand how far will the sediment plume when our robot drives along the seafloor travel. And the good news is we can contain the impacts to the area where we're picking up the rocks. And so the sediment, for example, only rises about two meters above the seafloor. Keeping in mind, we're 4,200 meters below sea level. So it rises two meters and then settles again in the test area. You can only make these accurate predictions on the back of real trials and real scientific evidence. And that's what we've been busy doing for the last decade. And is there any kind of regulatory body that kind of checks all of this out? Yes, there is. The International Seabed Authority govern international waters. And, and that's an organization made up of 168 countries plus the European Union. So for the first time ever, an industry is beginning with regulations in place. 
as opposed to what happened with oil and gas or mining where they started and then you try and regulate them. And so I think that's one of the greatest opportunities for this industry to get it right and to make sure that everyone is going to be held to a very high standard of accountability. Fascinating. Well, it's been really interesting to get your insights on a topic we've never delved into on the show before. That's Gerard Barron, who is CEO of The Metals Company. Great to be with you.